I'm Dr. Kylie Fisher. Welcome to Heavenly Harmonies. But we all, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image. It is by beholding, by admiring the character of Christ, that we become like him. Our hymn for today, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, is a powerful way to do this. Stay with me to see how the beauties of this song can draw you nearer to the heart of God. Today was written by the great hymn writer Isaac Watts, and it is reportedly said that Charles Wesley, the great Methodist hymn writer who wrote over a thousand hymns, uh, actually apparently reportedly said that he would have given all the hymns that he wrote just to have this one hymn by Watts. Now, um. We don't totally know whether that's true or not, but it certainly does speak to just how powerful this hymn is. When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, yeah, a a tremendously powerful hymn. So let's have a look at the first verse and see what it has to say to us today. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, My richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. So let's have a look back and look at this song and and look back at this first verse and think about what this is saying to us. So we have been tracing through the life of Christ and last episode we spoke a little bit about Christ's sufferings in Gethsemane uh, and his trial and crucifixion. But in in this song, we're really focusing on the cross um, because the cross is so important to the Christian. If we were to take away the cross from the Christian, it would be like blotting the sun from the sky. Uh, you know, just all of our hopes rest in the cross and in what Christ suffered for us. And that's really a tremendous thing because living today, we, you know, and even myself speaking, I'm aware that I've really got no conception of what the cross was like and the horrors of the cross and of crucifixion. Um, I mean, I can sort of, you know, try to imagine it, but yeah, living today to, you know, we're, we're a long way, well, many of us um, are, are just so far removed from this. And so, but, you know, let's, let's think a little bit about this. Now, so Christ, when he came here to earth, uh, was during the time of the ancient Roman Empire. Now, the ancient Roman Empire, besides being described, you know, in in passing, in you know, to some extent, in the Gospels, well, probably not quite in passing, but you know, it's it sort of forms the background to the life of Christ. You know, it's it's not really the key focus. So, besides um, the the 
Empire of Rome being described, you know, in the Gospels and in, you know, the the New Testament um, and forming the backdrop to those things. It is also described in Bible prophecy. Now, we do not have time to look at this in detail today, but I would just like to draw your attention to this. Um, And if you want more information about this, uh, we at 3ABN have other resources that we can direct you to um, that, that speak about these prophecies in more detail. They are just so relevant to us living today. So the Empire of Rome is mentioned in prophecies in Daniel chapter 2, Daniel chapter 7, and in others as well. But I'm going to just mention these briefly today because Daniel chapter 2 Um, basically at the time that this was written, uh, Babylon was the ruling power and the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, had a dream. When he woke, he could not remember the dream. And anyway, to cut a long story short, finally, Daniel, um, this Hebrew slave, was able to interpret Oh, was able to tell Nebuchadnezzar, first of all, his dream, which was amazing because the dream to Nebuchadnezzar had been given by God. So that was how Daniel, God's prophet, was able to tell Nebuchadnezzar the dream when he when Nebuchadnezzar had forgotten it. Um, and Daniel was also able to interpret its meaning. And so in this dream, the different empires of the earth, starting from Babylon, the time, you know, in which the, the um, dream was given, um, the different empires of earth were depicted by different metals. And so there was gold, silver, brass, and then there was legs that were iron. And it was these iron legs that actually represented the empire of Rome, which was, you know, in Daniel's day, right, you know, writing and speaking about and living about 600 BC, uh, you know, that was still far into the future. Uh, but, But this was foretold in this prophecy. You know, and even the secular historian Gibbons uh, was not, you know, the least bit religious by any means, but he used this description of Rome. He called it the Iron Monarchy of Rome. And his words were taken from the Bible because the, because iron, just so accurately depicted the um, the crushing power of Rome. And so this is actually described by Daniel in um, his interpretation of the dream. And so Daniel chapter um, 2, as we've been saying, and verse um, 40, it describes the, you know, the, the meaning of and why Iron was chosen to represent Rome in this dream. So it says uh, in Daniel 2 and verse 40, it says, The fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all these shall it break in pieces and bruise. And so that's the description that was given hundreds of years before the empire of Rome um, took its place on the earth. You know, what more accurate description could we have of that? And uh, Daniel also, or actually uh, an angel in another dream given to Daniel in Daniel chapter 7 elaborates further on this. 
And uh, so let's just have a look at Daniel chapter 7 and verse 23. So just over a few pages, Daniel chapter 7 and verse 23. And this is actually an angel speaking to Daniel and explaining some things in the dream that Daniel himself did not understand. Um, So the angel said to Daniel, the fourth beast, which the fourth beast will be the fourth kingdom upon earth. So it was like the fourth kingdom um, after Babylon. Um, And it said, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms and shall devour the whole earth and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. And that is such an accurate description of the empire of Rome. It was just such a cruel empire. And the cross was just the height of Rome's cruelty. In fact, the word excruciating actually comes from the word crucifixion. So the cross was actually the means that Rome had devised to torture a prisoner as long as they possibly could without the without the person actually dying. So it was just, it was a terrible, it was a humiliating death. And so, yet, and this was the death that Christ suffered for us. So, yeah, when we think about the cross, you know, when I survey the wondrous cross, this is what Christ was willing to do to demonstrate his love for a world that had rejected him. So, yeah, it's it's just absolutely amazing that Christ has such tremendous love for us. He was the Prince of Glory, as this hymn says, and yet he died on that cruel cross. And so, yeah, well do we say, my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. And so let's go on to the second verse. The second verse says, Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my God. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. Let's look at the Bible verses that this is based on. Now, this is really taken from the experience of the Apostle Paul. And it's very directly based on Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14, which says, God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. And so what did Paul mean by this? Well, the Apostle Paul describes this further and gives us more detail of this in Philippians chapter 3 and beginning at verse 4. Philippians chapter 3 and beginning in verse 4, because Paul was a Pharisee. And so he was a religious leader. And he thought that, you know, because of his position and so forth, that because of that, he was deserving of salvation and that he could actually work to earn his own salvation. So let's have a look at how does he describe his own experience? So Philippians chapter three and verse four, he says that I might also have confidence in the flesh. If any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. So Paul, you know, thought that he was pretty good. So verse 5 says, Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. So, you know, when Paul looked at his life, 
he thought that he was just so good and he didn't really need a saviour. But let's see what conclusion he finally came to. He says, what things were gained to me, the things that he thought earned him merit with God. He says, those I counted loss for Christ. And then he, in verse 8, he goes on to say, Yeah, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Um, and verse 9, it says, Be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. And so we see here, you know, such a distinction between Christianity and every other religious belief that Christianity, God is the one that sends the gift that reconciles us to himself. You know, we are not the ones going in search of God. God is the one going in search of us and giving us what we can never hope to accomplish by ourselves because all of our efforts to reform our outward actions you know, they have their place and they certainly have their place in the life of a Christian. And we certainly do those things out of gratitude for Christ. But we can't change our hearts. We can't create life. Uh, and when it comes to that, we're just absolutely powerless. And so we have to pray with David, you know, who committed adultery and committed murder. Um, you know, he was just um, from being... A man after God's own heart, he just fell to the lowest depths of sin and yet he recognized in Christ his Savior. And so he prayed in um, Psalm 51 and verse 10, he said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Only God can transform our hearts. And so um, so that's what we need. We need to have a new heart and um, experience this change of life that can come only through Christ. So, yeah, all the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. Because really, you know, Isaiah 59 verse 1 says, sin, your sin has separated between you and your God. Sin separates us from God. And so God asks us to give up these things that are separating us from him and that are preventing us from experiencing the joy of salvation and the eternal everlasting joy that God came to bring us and that we find in following him and in walking with him. So let's go on now to the third verse, which says, See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet? Or thorns compose so rich a crown. So here in this verse, we are in imagination, we are really picturing the death of Christ. That's really what is described there for us in that poetry. And so so this song is quite interesting in that it goes between us actually contemplating truths, contemplating, meditating upon thinking about truths that are revealed in the word of God 
And then it goes to actually pray, praying about those things. Um, and so, so the first verse has, you know, when I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. So it's it's really the um, the speaker is is really meditating and thinking upon those things. Then in the second verse, he goes into like a direct prayer because he says, "Forbid it, Lord." And so he's he's directly addressing God in prayer. So so this is a tremendous song in terms of teaching um, teaching us how to to study the Bible and then pray about the things that we've studied. So then the third verse, see from his head, his hands, his feet. So it's, it's actually describing it um, and, you know, describing what you're seeing in your imagination. Um, if you were actually, you know, singing this song in terms of um, performing it for others or, you know, whether you're, whether you're thinking about it and, and using this as part of your your Bible study, um, you want to have that picture in your mind, you know, as close as we can get um, of, of what it actually would have looked like, you know, for Christ to be there on the cross. See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Um, and it talks there about all oh, thorns composed so rich a crown. So let's just have a look at this. Um, a verse, the, the specific Bible verse about this, which is found in John chapter 19. John chapter 19, verse 1 says, Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. And then John 19, verse 2 says, And the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe, and they said, Hail, King of the Jews. So they were mocking him, mocking his claim to be... Um, to be king. So yeah, that's that's just so incredible as we think about that royal head that was pierced with that crown of thorns and pierced for us. What an incredible picture. And so so then finally we have the the final response to this meditation on the death of Christ and the last verse says with well, a whole realm of nature mine that were a present far too small love so amazing so divine demands my soul my life my all and so let's have a look at a few bible verses about this because this this idea of you know, what response can we give to Christ in view of all that he has done for us? You know, the Bible writers experienced this this same realization that there was never really any way that, that they could actually repay Christ for what he had done for them. So let's have a look at, uh, actually, I was going to look at We'll look at Psalm 116 in just a moment, but let's look at another verse first of all. We're going to look at 1 Chronicles chapter 29. 1 Chronicles chapter 29. And here David is wanting to build the King David. We've spoken about him in previous episodes. He was planning to build a temple for God to to come and 
dwell in. And, uh, well, he was planning for his son Solomon to build the temple. So he invited the people to give uh, offerings for this temple so that it could be just the most beautiful temple that had ever been built on earth, which indeed it was. And so then David prayed a prayer over all these offerings that were brought. And verse 14 just really picks up what David said about this. He says, um, referring to the offerings, he says, Who am I and what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee, and of thine own have we given thee. For we are strangers before thee and sojourners, as were all our fathers. Um, O Lord our God, all this store that we have prepared to build thee in house for thine holy name cometh of thine hand, it is all thine own. So, I mean, we really are God's creation ourselves um, and so you know so what response can we make what what can we give to God well let's have a look in Psalm 116 verse 12 Psalm 116 verse 12 which says what shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me verse 13 says I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord you know nothing can give God greater glory and honor and joy than for us willingly to choose to give our hearts to him That is what he asks of us, even though it's such a feeble return. So, yeah, so these these tremendous um, sentiments uh, that are expressed in this song. So as I've mentioned in um, thinking about this hymn, there are some contrasts in terms of that there's you know, verses one and three are sort of really a meditation on the word of God. Verse two is really a direct prayer to God. And then the fourth verse, I think, is, you know, just full of realization of our inadequacy, but also that joy and determination in choosing to give our heart to God. So let's listen to Fountain View um, Orchestra and Choir as they perform this amazing hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross.
so divine indeed demands my life my soul my all let's say a prayer to make that dedication to god today dear lord we we are so far from comprehending the tremendous sacrifice of christ for us and um dear god what can we give you Um, for all of the things that you have done for us. But we can, as it says in Psalm 116 and verse 13, we can take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. And so that is what we choose to do today, dear Lord. I just pray that you will come into my heart, into the heart of each person listening to to this broadcast. Please change, please transform our hearts, dear Lord. We give them willingly to you. And um, we just thank you that you've got the power to change our hearts. And we thank you that Christ was willing to make that the greatest sacrifice that love could make. Thank you for hearing and answering our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining me today on Heavenly Harmonies. Uh, Please join me again next time to discuss another beautiful hymn. But until then, goodbye and God bless. (laughs) 